0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to We Can Do Pod Things. It's been a minute, but we're excited to be back with you, and today we are going to cover the episode of We Can Do Hard Things featuring Julia Louis-Dreyfus. If you're new here, our thing is, our shtick, Mm -hmm. is that we talk about episodes of Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambach and Amanda Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. But if you are a stranger to that podcast, don't leave because you'll still be able to follow along with what we're saying.
1: We highly encourage you to listen to it because it it has inspired a lifetime of conversations at this point. But also, if you haven't listened, there might still be something of value in here. This is what we have been told. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, so stick with us. what would you like to do as far as a quote? Do you have a quote I on was, deck?
1: I was going to ask if you had one. If not, I will pull something up, and, okay. and we will have a quote. That sounds good. <laughs> Maybe, I think it's been about a Should it a be month? the meme I sent you yesterday for yes, Mother's
0: Day? <laughs> it could be.
1: <laughs> Guys, normally we try to start with this like really thought-provoking um, quote that really made us stop and think. It might have even made us a little uncomfortable. And this one might make listeners uncomfortable. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to me from all the man babies I've dated over the years. I'm not your mom, but boy, did I put in a shift.
0: Boy, did you ever.
1: (laughs) I will neither confirm nor deny that. Okay, so this is more along the lines of what we typically do for Mm -hmm. a quote of the week. Um, This quote is by Emery Allen I think I fall in love a little bit with anyone who shows me their soul. The world is so guarded and fearful. I appreciate rawness so much. And that pretty much encompasses, I think, why we like. The pod, Glennon's podcast, Mm -hmm. so much is because it is raw and honest and a little bit soul bearing and it can be really hard to know who has earned the right to see those parts of our souls. Yeah, and I think there's also something easier about doing it in a podcast Mm -hmm. because one, I'm not the only person I'm looking in the eye is you, and none of this shit that I say is going to (laughs) be brand new information to you. Um, and also because you you know that people are choosing mm-hmm. to listen to it and so yeah. there's like a little less rejection yeah. there.
0: We're not just trauma dumping on people. Oh, exactly. We're, <laughs> we're assuming, their consent. Okay? We're, we're assuming you want to hear all this bullshit. So if you don't,
1: blessings on your day. Exactly. <laughs> and goodbye. Um all right. So any anything else you want to add to that before we get jumped in?
0: Not really, but I should say on the outside of this episode, I've never seen Seinfeld. I've never seen Seinfeld. A show about nothing? I have not. Oh my God. You know, I mean, we were young when it came out, so there was nothing about it that interested me back then. And I don't know. It just never really grasped me.
1: That shocked the hell out of me knowing what a tiny adult you were as a kid, that you weren't just sitting there watching Seinfeld with your mom and dad, like that every Monday night.
0: Honey, I was watching Murder, She Wrote. I wasn't okay, a tiny fair. adult. I was a tiny senior citizen. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching Murder, She Wrote and Golden Girls. Which
1: is pretty much true today as mm-hmm. well. <laughs> Anytime I come in, you're generally watching Murder, She Wrote.
0: Oh my gosh, I wish they had gotten an episode with Angela Lansbury before she passed.
1: Oh, I know. Um. Well, RIP on that. Yep. So the, the title of the episode for Glennon is Why We All Lie or something about that. How
0: honest can we be? How honest can
1: we be? Yeah. And it, it's interesting to me that that's really, they really only talk about that in like the last maybe 10 minutes mm-hmm. of the of the episode, but it's it's relevant and I wrote my notes in a slightly different format today than I usually do, so we'll see how that translates to... Digestible content. Okay. So here we go. Do you
0: want to start? Uh, The first thing that I wrote down is she talks about what a unique opportunity she had going to an all girls school.
1: Yeah. For
0: leadership and to just exist without the pressure of trying to impress boys.
1: Right. And that she attributes that to her being open with um, being funny. Yeah and they have this discussion about the power of being funny especially as women and she said she felt like maybe it was or it seemed like it was safer to be funny around just women mm-hmm. or just the same gender because if she had been around males then she probably wouldn't have said anything or been funny at all cuz she would have been trying to cater to them and yeah. get them to like her and isn't that interesting that at least in in her mind in the 70s, in this conservative private school.
0: Yeah, it's an all-girls school.
1: That to her, being funny was not something that men would or boys or whatever would find likable, but mm-hmm. women would. And I, I guess that really is this discussion of what is it about being funny as a woman that is so intimidating or or has so much power. And that is a valid question.
0: I liked that Abby drew the connection mm. that she will sometimes find herself in circles where there are certain men who reject her for being such a good athlete.
1: Because they aren't.
0: It unsettles them. And she said those same men are probably the ones who don't like you because you're funny. Right. And not and, and Julia points
1: out, you don't not everyone has to be funny. Yeah. But I, I think there probably is a is at least back then and fairly probably still to an amount today that the pressure on men to be funny like i mean actually if you think about it the message that straight women get is it's more important to have a guy who's funny or to um be with a guy who's funny than someone who's good looking or someone who's whatever mm-hmm. fill in the blank is they talk about uh Someone who if you're the only reason you're crying, they should be making you cry is because is from laughing so mm-hmm. hard. And that must put a lot of pressure on men to be funny. And then when they aren't funny and they just come across as like obnoxious or annoying, that sucks. So that's a little tidbit
0: there. Yeah, I was just thinking about how some of the. Icons like Lucille Ball were funny because they were just hapless, you know. Right? It was like
1: the dumb, sort yeah. of the dumb blonde sort of yeah vibe or whatever.
0: And East, I mean, that still shows up, but I think
1: mm-hmm.
0: that we've evolved from that since then. Yes, and that's nice to see. It is
1: very good to see. But also, you know, I think something I do appreciate about Lucille Ball was her. Yes, it was like she's the dumb. Whatever. But also she was just – she was very relatable. hmm And it was like she – it wasn't necessarily about her being beautiful yeah. and dumb. Even it, though she was. Even though she was. Which is
0: wild because people don't realize she was gorgeous, oh, that yeah. woman. She was a model before she was ever a comedian. hmm I –
1: But she – and, you know, she wasn't afraid to make herself look silly. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is a lot of power. And that's – going back to this conversation they had, what is it about being funny that has so much power? And my personal belief is because it takes the attention. Mm -hmm. You take the attention away from whoever else when you're funny. And you're also – more in control of the situation, and that's was something that they talked about, that you're assuming the control and you have the power because you are the one in the spotlight taking the attention. Yeah. And it's also, especially if you're operating from a place of scarcity, that would be really intimidating because it it makes the assumption that people can only like one person in the group mm-hmm. or people have a finite amount of likability or yeah. – liking that they can give to other people.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. They talked about how it assumes a lot too. When you're you're funny, it's brave Mm -hmm. because you're assuming that the thing that you're about to say is going to be funny to other people.
0: Yeah. And I think when you look at, like you said, some of the messaging that we've been given, if you put yourself out there as the funny one, there may be this worry that you have that, if I'm the funny one, then I can't be the attractive yeah, one. you can only be one You thing. can only be one or the other. If I'm the funny friend, I can't be the main character. I
1: think that's why people like Sofia Vergara so much. Mm-hmm. Because she is hilarious and gorgeous. Yeah. That's why, honestly, I love Sandra Bullock so much and Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful and also fucking hilarious. Yeah. Ali Wong, that's another one. Like, I I think- Chelsea Handler. Yes, absolutely. There's it. There's- there are so many examples, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that we're getting to that point because I'm pretty and funny, so <laughs> the world's ready for me. I I think going back to what they said about the thing assuming uh, – it assumes something, would you like to hear my theory on what makes something funny? Yes. I think it all comes back to what makes it relatable. Mm-hmm. Which is why people find jokes that are like stereotyping or whatever, why those generally get a laugh. And I don't think that it's necessarily funny when you're making fun of someone. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's funny. Jokes that make fun of people to me are the lowest rung of comedy.
0: Low hanging fruit. So
1: easy and and also just takes very little thought. Yeah. I think though the the what actually makes it funny is that we all know someone like that. Yeah. We might not think that they're a horrible person or that they deserve to be torn apart on stage, mm-hmm. but there's the relatability of it. And maybe that's also a little intimidating to people when someone else has the ability to relate to other people that they may or may not feel like they have.
0: Yeah. And they're a bit of a loose cannon because yeah. if they're willing to say the thing that usually doesn't get said, that can be scary. Yeah.
1: they're not, And they're not controllable. Mm-hmm. That can be scary too. I mean, that's almost always
0: scary. <laughs> I'm thinking about – because we were talking about Lucille Ball and how honestly just beautiful she was. But as a kid, I never thought of her – I didn't think of her as a troll, right? but I never thought of her as beautiful. I never thought of Julia Louis-Dreyfus mm. as beautiful, and she is drop-dead gorgeous. Absolutely. I never thought of Fran Drescher as being beautiful.
1: Yeah, and that – God, Fran Drescher. Mm-hmm. Love her, and also she has just been dealt some real shitty mm-hmm. stuff, all because she can create a character's voice yeah. that is annoying. Mm-hmm. She's not even – is it even annoying, or is it just? I don't know. I mean, to a degree, yes, but that doesn't mean she's not funny, right. or that doesn't mean that her her funniness lies in this isolated
0: laugh that she mm-hmm. does for a character. Yeah, because that's a bit, and you can only run mm-hmm. so far with a bit. You yep. got to have some substance underneath it. Yeah, love it. So that's that's what I have to say about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Can we talk about how the next thing that they really talk about? It was one, how she started going to therapy with her mom when she was in her 60s and her mom was in her 80s. 87, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, 87. Um, And she references the one and only Jane Fonda in mm-hmm. the episode that that they did with Jane Fonda about how she had these, she was having these multiple different acts mm-hmm. of her life. And I was like, woo. There's that mutual startup. Jane
0: Fonda is everywhere right now. Yeah. She just recorded a podcast. She had a a a documentary. Yeah. She just recorded a podcast that I started listening to today with Dax and Monica. Mm -hmm. She appeared on Julia's new podcast. Yes. Yes. What's it called? Wiser Than Me. Mm -hmm. Um, Jane's having, it doesn't even feel fair to say Jane's having a moment because because Jane Fonda's never not. It's iconic. The moment. Right.
1: Um, And that she talks about. Her mom had written her a letter about her dad. Her parents had been divorced before she even like really remembered. Mm-hmm. And um, her dad had passed away and it was his birthday and her mom wrote her a letter and had said that she'd been thinking about him. And there were so many things that she had wished that they would have talked about that they couldn't. And Julia calls her up and she's like, why can't we? Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. I am all about the questioning why. The- the person that I work for, the, the, she um, used to be the president and CEO of the company. And I think now she's <laughs> quote unquote, just the president or something like that. Um, she talks about the five whys. And I think there's a book that talks about it too, but she also teaches at Ball State. She teaches in, in this like field that we're in. The five whys, if you keep asking the question why, up to five times,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you'll find the actual answer to the question. Huh. And it helps me a
0: lot of times. It, it doesn't, doesn't even... work for my kids. After the fourth time, I go, just because. <laughs> the answer is just because. I think that there's a specific
1: <laughs> dynamic in which it is generally okay. <laughs> um, but it helps me too in a lot of – the inner critic things, the mm-hmm. inner voice things, or my insecurities, and go, okay, why do I care about that? Yeah. Or why would I be upset if that happened? Why do I think that I need to do it this way? And it's a, I think that it's that getting, it, it helps us get to that bringing behind it to the consciousness. reason. Yes, bringing it to consciousness in the root of the thing mm-hmm. rather than slapping a bandaid on a bullet hole. Helps do a little bit more of the surgery of tying off the artery. Mm -hmm. There you go, Laura. There's another metaphor for you. I hope you liked that one.
0: (laughs) I am just very impressed by any mom who's willing to go to therapy with their child because, as much as I would love to say that I will be open to hear all the things Mm -hmm. that my kids want to say about me one day. That is a hard one.
1: It's scary. And that's the next thing I have written is there's bravery in the retrospect. Mm -hmm. There's bravery in being able to go, you know what? I understand that. I know that I did the best that I could and that I fell short at times. And I am willing to and open to hearing your position Mm -hmm. without taking it personally or it damaging our relationship yeah. and without it having to mean more than that your feelings are valid. Yeah. And not that it doesn't mean less mm-hmm. because they're kids or whatever or because they were children at the time, but that it, it's not this – it doesn't have to be this big scary thing.
0: I'm trying to work out for myself. I don't have an answer to this yet. If anybody owes that, mm-hmm. like, Same are you that. obligated? To say yes to that? If your kids want to do this with you someday and you say, pass, does that make you – am I the villain? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I mean –
1: Wow. That is such a good question. I, my gut instinct, my mm-hmm. first instinct is when we choose to be parents, our responsibility to them doesn't end when they're 18. Yeah. Some responsibilities do, mm-hmm. but that responsibility to model the next phase mm-hmm. doesn't end. But also, there boundaries. Yeah. We are allowed to have boundaries as parents. That's what an excellent question. I think it kind of also falls. It can be. It can fall under the topic of can you be um, a good dad but a poor husband? Mm-hmm. Like that's not anything that you and I have ever had to talk about because Justin is a wonderful husband. Shout out to Justin. Um, the man
0: got me a Taco Bell gift I card mean, for Mother's Day. Honestly, he VIP. knows. He
1: knows. Um, but you could probably make arguments for both sides. Mm-hmm. What are well, your thoughts on that? And
0: I, I know that whether or not it's owed is not the point, right? You know, there's really. No reason to sit with that extensively because mm-hmm. it misses the point. If you're doing it because you feel like it's owed, right, right. but you're not opening your heart to it, that's not that's therapy. missing the mark, right? Yeah, but I'm also just curious about how we react when someone says, Oh, I wanted to do this with my parent, but they weren't interested or they declined.
1: Mm, how we as practitioners.
0: Yeah. I I don't know if I want to be so quick to say that's a failure of theirs. Right. You know? Right.
1: Because that assumes that we're judging character of somebody that we don't know. Yeah. And that always gets tricky yeah. in therapy because that's not really our job. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I think it's there's a place for saying this action or this behavior was wrong or Mm -hmm. that sucks Mm -hmm. or that was really shitty or whatever, but that doesn't equate – that doesn't mean you get to make a judge on their moral character Mm -hmm. or their overall fitness to be a parent. And honestly, Julia Louis-Dreyfus had the most beautiful outlook of her own father Mm -hmm. who was – Narcissistic, and um, those are her words, and could be very cruel. And I loved the question that Glennon asked: "What can you tell us more about what it was like to be loved by him?" Because it makes it assumes positive intent,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's generous as fuck. And that, it assumes yes, your dad said and maybe did. Things to you that were very cruel and very unkind mm-hmm. and very hurtful and f- fucked up. But that doesn't mean that he didn't love you. Yeah. And
0: she talks- it's a, a reminder that not every narcissist is vile.
1: Right. It really is. Because she said he was a narcissist and he was also super interesting. A, yeah, right? Like he he was a narcissist and everything was about him, but because he was interesting. He, and he was
0: intelligent and he could run the room.
1: And he just maybe didn't know where to put that. Uh And she talks about him not having a great childhood or having a pretty miserable childhood. Uh And, um, you know, we say this often, we're not responsible for the trauma that happens to us, but we are responsible for the way that we respond to it. But that does make it easier to look back at things and go, oh, maybe it wasn't this huge flaw on my part or their part Mm -hmm. in that they were an horrible person unloving and just could never give me what I want Mm -hmm. or what I needed or deserved, but that they just, they were, they did the best that they could and it wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, that's hard, but that is also something Jane Fonda talks about Mm -hmm. that as you watch your parents get older, you start to realize, and as you often become a parent yourself Or at least as you become an adult yourself, you start to realize like our parents were flawed people, Mm -hmm. are flawed people, just like we are. And they're just trying to figure shit out the best way that they know how.
0: I'm kind of glad. So I was listening to the newest Jane Fonda podcast on Mm -hmm. Armchair Expert. And she was talking about how she gained this new understanding of her parents by reading their old letters to each other. Mm. And she was saying, you know, nobody's going to have that anymore. Mm. People won't have that in uh, generations to come. But we will have media like this. Yes. So maybe that's futuristic Ralston and Bonnie, if you're listening. <laughs> I love you and I really did try. <laughs> um shoot,
1: who was I? I was just reading somebody's um it was my friend Stacy. Uh she had just posted yesterday for, for Mother's Day that her she and her daughter aren't like mushy gushy like they don't have these long deep conversations mm-hmm. and that's just not their style. They they bond and they laugh together yeah. and they make fun of their dad, her dad, her daughter's dad, Stacy's husband mm-hmm. together. Um but her daughter had written her a uh, uh, letter for Mother's Day mm-hmm. and, and gave it to her. And she said, I now understand why my mom always asked us for handwritten letters. Mm-hmm. Because you can hang on to that and you can look. And there's it's kind of similar to this whole podcast stuff. Is mm-hmm. like you're writing it. You have time to take your time and phrase it the way that you want to and erase sections if it doesn't feel yeah. quite as succinct. And also you're not – there's it's lower risk you're Mm -hmm. not looking that person in the face and usually you're not sitting in front of them while they're reading it either you're giving them some space and some time and it respects boundaries to read it and and digest Mm -hmm. it before reacting to it and that makes so much sense like that would be a big pro in the pros and cons categories of handwritten letters yeah or even ha- just cards, handwritten car- cards with notes in them.
0: I wish all of our communication were like that. I hate talking. <laughs> I hate talking out in the real world. This
1: is why you're the Yang. To I the yang.
0: would love to have a communication style where everything that you say is thought out beforehand. Mm. I don't like to be on the spot with my thoughts.
1: Wow, there's some stuff to unpack there. Oh, I know. I'm and also that's perfectly acceptable. I'm way
0: more comfortable. And imagine in some ways Nope, I stopped myself right away because in some ways things would be better, but also in some ways it wouldn't be because there are things that people need to say. In the spur of the moment, without mm-hmm. talking themselves out of it, and
1: spontaneity is yeah, it's important
0: fine for those people. It's just not
1: for me. <laughs> I don't get to control the narrative <laughs> around what you he- see and hear about yeah, me.
0: It is good for some people to speak spontaneously. Don't it happen to be it, one of those people. It
1: does happen to be you, but also I respect your boundaries and what you aren't aren't comfortable with at the moment.
0: I just don't have that quick processing that I feel like everybody else has. And so – That's probably
1: the biggest strike against you having ADHD. Like the biggest reason why I would say that you don't have ADHD. Yeah? Yeah. Because my brain is always just immediately fast. But maybe I just get hung up on – I do get hung up on things to where I just just ramble and just like make sounds and I'm like I uh, don't remember what I was going to say.
0: I don't know. I just feel like I always need a longer beat than – a lot of the people that I'm in frequent communication with.
1: Is it because you don't understand or is it because you want to make sure that your response is perfect?
0: Um, not necessarily perfect, but I want it to be the response that I really and truly want mm, it to be. You want it to be authentic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so when somebody asks me a question that I care about,
1: mm.
0: I want – significant time to think about it. Yeah. And our world doesn't really allow for that very not,
1: often. Not so much anymore. Oh, my God. And that's something that I regret about my parenting in Jack's early days. hmm Coming from a field where um, the goal was a zero-second time delay between mm-hmm. a stimulus and a response and also errorless teaching, I did put so much pressure on them to have an answer right away, Mm -hmm. immediately. And that's a lot of stress and anxiety and also doesn't condition a person to think Mm -hmm. or say, I want to get this right. I want to make sure what I say is exactly what I mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, because then I do that thing that Glennon does where I just run the post-mortem over in my head Ugh, yes. of what I wish that I had said. Mm-hmm. And so then I go back and I over-explain what I really meant.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's just-
1: Julia it's- Louis-Dreyfus talks about that too. She talks about um, the voice in her, her head that being- unforgiving and when she does something she just goes over it Mm -hmm. over and over oh and that's that was something that i liked she talked about she used the word relax in two ways Mm -hmm. Um, one was when she is stressed out about or giving herself a hard time about something that she got wrong Mm -hmm. it takes her a while to relax and then also when she started to understand towards the end of his life the perspective that her dad came from and more about his childhood history that helped her to relax Mm -hmm. regarding some of his faults. And this idea of the word relax rather than forgive, Mm -hmm. because I, I know that I am not the first person to struggle with the word forgive because it's not a one-to-one comparison with the opposite which is holding a grudge, right? Mm-hmm. Like, f- and forgiving often feels like a cop-out mm-hmm. for the other person. That and How that often you- do we really do it? Right. And should we, though? So I, I guess the question, too, is like, forgive and forget, right? Mm-hmm. Would well, no. I think we can all establish that's probably not mm-hmm. the best situation because that, that's not how we survive. The reason why our brains are hardwired to remember the bad stuff and store that deeper into mm-hmm. our long-term memory storage is because if you forget the ways that people hurt you, you are going to be hurt by them again.
0: Attachment theory has entered the
1: chat. <laughs> and you will—you are less likely to survive. Mm-hmm. If you continue to eat these poisonous berries, you will die. Mm-hmm. If you continue to cross the road without looking, eventually you will get hit by a car and Mm -hmm. you might get hit hard enough that you die. Like the reason we remember things that hurt is out of a sense of survival. Mm -hmm. So forgetting is not the best solution. Yeah. What, and what does forgive, what does forgiveness even actually really mean? That's
0: what I mean. Like when we say forgive, I think a lot of what we imagine it to be is like you said, forgive and forget, or like the slate is wiped completely right. clean. That's exactly what I was When thinking. does that ever happen? No, and it shouldn't be mm-hmm. because
1: we are still going to hold people accountable for their behaviors. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily assume that because someone has done something to us once to hurt us, we have to – It's it's you can't automate it. I think mm-hmm. that's part of – I think what bothers me about the word forgive because that – in kind of insinuates that you're automating it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can look at someone's behavior and assign a value to how much weight it carries. Yeah.
0: I wonder, this is one of those times where I wonder what other words they have yes. for that concept in different languages that come so much closer to what it should mean, because yeah. you know, it, like it's friendship. not the word forgiveness; it's our interpretation of it that is right. the problem. Right. And relax comes closer to capturing yes what we really mean,
1: because it's not that we're not aware of it or we're not thinking about it. It's just that we're not as hung up on it, mm-hmm. or we're not. It's it doesn't. It's not carrying as much yeah. weight mm-hmm. with us. We still have a certain amount of skepticism mm-hmm. or guard or whatever just less so because we have we have analyzed the threat we have evaluated it and we have put boundaries mm-hmm. around how we are going to receive their this person's actions or behavior right. or or whatever and i really like that word relax more than forgive. Mm-hmm. I think I also might have like a weird relationship with the word forgive just because religious trauma. Mm-hmm. But I really appreciated her using that phrase because it also to me, it, it, it's, it it's visual too. It's a visual for me because I can imagine what a person's body looks like relaxing. Mm-hmm. And it's I can't imagine what a person's body looks like forgiving.
0: I wish we could have somebody who is somewhat of a biblical scholar be a guest sometime because Um, I would love to know Mm -hmm. like, what is it? Hebrew? Is the Bible written in Hebrew? Like the word forgive shows up often in what we know Mm -hmm. as the Bible, Mm -hmm. but they didn't use the word forgive. They used a different word. And what might that have interpretation held that the word forgive maybe doesn't? Man, Jane Fonda, we just right? keep coming She's back to on you. it. But like, be whole the way that God is whole. Not holy. Not
1: holy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I like about that too is that this whole idea of being holy and being set apart, because I think there are other interpretations that mm-hmm. might use the phrase like set apart or something, that is also not the same thing mm-hmm. as whole. Yeah. it is. It is not. And the words matter, mm-hmm. like Brene Brown and and all of the other scholars and, and researchers and philosophers that she... Um, did I make that word up? Is philosophist a word? I don't think so. I think it's philosopher.
0: I think philosopher is the more commonly used one, but I'm not ready to slam the <laughs> door on philosophers. I kind of like the way it sounds. I do too. So,
1: philosophists lives. Um, they talk there's the one specific quote that i will always remember the limits of my language are the limits of my world and words matter Mm -hmm. and having a more succinct way of saying something it makes everything clearer Mm -hmm. and where there is clear and clarity clear is kind Mm -hmm. there's also kindness ah man we are
0: on it You know what I wrote down when it comes to this word relax? Have you heard Glennon talk about stet? Mm -mm. So I guess this is a term that writers use during the editing process. And when you turn in a manuscript and it comes back all marked up in red, Mm -hmm. you can make your changes Mm -hmm. or if you get to something that you don't want to change because it may sound imperfect, but I want it to... be just the way it is, mm-hmm. you write next to it, stet, which means let it stand. Oh. And Glenn talks about how this is kind of her word because mm, I could see that. You know, there are things in life that are imperfect. All things in life, in fact, are imperfect.
1: You know, what's not imperfect is a sandwich that I just took a bite of that you made for me. It's delightful. Well,
0: thank you for being our guest in Bonnie's kitchen tonight. <laughs> Even though my waitress could Turned still into use a baby. Because she could still use some training. She yeah, could use some man, more training. That's unpredictable. People don't like that. <laughs> but I really like that word. I think she's even got it on one of the necklaces that she wears. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's a tattoo that she has.
1: Sounds like a good tattoo.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am a fan of Stet. Let it stand. That was a weird choice for me to take a
1: big old mouthful of sandwich at that moment, but
0: a girl is hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I have written down. I loved it when Julia talked about being such a fan of watching her son play his sport, and they went to the championship. And she said, "She, she it had the tournament, to." Sit. Yeah, it's adorable. That's yeah. like a
1: real sports term, like instead of the the March Madness tournament or the Sweet Sixteen mm-hmm. or whatever it is, they just call it the tournament. The tournament.
0: And she had to sit separately from her husband because she said, "I needed space to feel my own feelings, yep. separate from his feelings." Yep, yep. I love that.
1: I, that I I thought that that was. I think I had that
0: written down too. It was very clever, um, and especially being someone who is known publicly, mm-hmm. you know, there could have been people watching that going, "Oh, well, they're not sitting together. She don't care. What's that all about?" Good for her. You know, mm-hmm. but she wanted to be in the moment for her son's game, and to be able to feel her feelings and her experience without having to absorb the feelings Mm -hmm. of her husband of, what is it, 38 years? 36. 36 years. Mm -hmm. And so she literally had to put physical space in between them (laughs) because it was not an option that she could sit next to him and separate herself from how he was experiencing the game.
1: Isn't that such a good indicator of this human giver syndrome too? Mm Mm-hmm which women don't have the majority on or the women women don't necessarily own mm-hmm. but it ha- it it happens often in women that we are we take on the responsibility of taking care of everybody else including their emotional needs mm-hmm. and and I love that they have the type of relationship where she one can mm-hmm. recognize that's what she's doing two ha- has the ability and wherewithal to set a boundary around that, and he encourages that. I wonder if
0: it's even reciprocal. I'm sure it is. I wonder if he also needed that. Volard. <laughs> I have to put the sandwich down because it's just too good. Um, Leave us a good review on Yelp.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, it'll have to be four stars. I would give it five stars, but that whole turning into a baby at the end is really weird for me.
0: Yeah, that's fair. We get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I. The next thing I wrote down was – Dread of the empty nest can't relate. <laughs> Ooh.
1: Transition to college. Don't think about the leaving. Okay, mm-hmm. so I do often think about my kids leaving. Not necessarily Not in. And not even in the. Oh my god, we're going to get into a car accident. And they're going to die. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still have those those thoughts too. Mm-hmm. But I also we joke around in my house and maybe it's not a joke to Jack, but eventually he will understand that it is a joke that he's going to live with me forever. Mm-hmm. And I, you know what? I think provided that we, he makes a good roommate, I could potentially be okay with that or, or be happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think about, you know, someday he's going to be gone. And I think that being, I hadn't really put it all together about when it's like that all the time. Mm-hmm. Being a single mom, it happens to me every week mm-hmm. <laughs> that he is gone. And I don't I don't have anyone else in the house. Mm-hmm. I have recognized in the last month or so, it's really difficult because I need that time to, to take care of myself and not be on and have a break. But then also the weekends can be pretty hard because- mm-hmm i will I will just stay in my house all weekend. Will I eat? Probably not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Will I shower? Probably not. Am I going to be in the same clothes? Probably. I will sit on my couch and watch movies mm-hmm. that I can't watch when he's around, and that's great, yeah. I will sit on my couch and I will play Animal Crossing for three hours, which is great because then I don't have to share and i don't have to worry about not being attentive to my kid. Yeah. But fresh air and and socialization is necessary. Mm-hmm. And i'm at a weird place in my life right now where i my body requires a bit more rest than than it used to and i'm still learning how to give myself permission mm-hmm. to to take that rest. But the thought of it being like that for forever, yeah, i don't like it. And as someone with abandonment issues, <laughs> really don't like it. Yeah
0: yeah, that makes total sense for me, it's kind of it's not that different from Julia Louis Dreyfus needing to sit across the court from her husband mm. because she can't feel her own feelings when she is in direct proximity to him. Mm-hmm. I look forward to the time in my life where I can just kind of feel my own feelings again. Yes. and also, I know that they talk about how, for them, a lot of the anxiety grew mm-hmm. once their children were out of the house because mm-hmm. then you don't know what they're up to. You don't know what they're doing. That's hard for me to imagine. I, of not knowing what your kids are doing Well, or being anxious about it? It's hard for me to imagine feeling more anxious oh, with God. them out of the house mm. than I feel with them in the house, mm. if that makes yeah. sense. I feel so much anxiety over my performance as their mom Mm. all the time Mm -hmm. that I can't picture that being greater once they are out of the
1: house. Yeah. It's kind of like trying to imagine the pain of childbirth. Mm -hmm. You're just like, no, fuck that.
0: Uh, My body already hurts, especially
1: when you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. Where you're just like, you're telling me it gets worse? Yeah. Right now, my hips are screaming, my knees are Mm -hmm. sore, my back aches, my... Boobs are swollen. My skin is stretching and on fire. And you're telling me, and not to mention the pressure Mm -hmm. in the danger zone, it can be very painful. And you're telling me it gets worse. Yeah. No, thank you. But they can't (laughs) knock us out for that, right? They can in in certain scenarios when you have a baby. They can't Mm -hmm. when your baby graduates from college or graduates from high school and moves away.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that I'm not really giving my control issues a seat at the table when I picture this mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's the part of me that thinks, "Oh man, I'm going to be so grateful when they're cooked and <laughs> it's not all on me anymore." Oh, and then they're are cooked and, and also outside of you. It's not all on me anymore, mm-hmm. which means I'm not Control driving the bus, but maybe what's different for me is that I've never felt like I'm driving the bus. <laughs> it always feels you actively to me avoid being like the driver, which driving is driving this bus, which is, is very weird like,
1: because you do like control,
0: yeah. But it, and it's not that I don't try to drive the bus, yeah, like I'm trying to wrestle the wheel from them all the time, and that's exhausting. So when I finally have permission to let go of the wheel. And just let them be the drivers without feeling like I have to redirect the bus. That sounds like a type of freedom for me.
1: It, and I, I am not any closer to that life than you are. Mm-hmm. But I think it'll probably be both. Yeah, just like every fucking. I thing can else. almost
0: guarantee it.
1: There and and. I feel grateful. Oh, this is going to sound weird, but like, <laughs> what's new? Mm-hmm. I feel a little bit grateful to have this slow acclimation to separating and parting and, and being whole without my child around, even though I don't ever really feel completely whole. And that, but that's a, that's kind of a different feeling of wholeness, I'm glad that I'm like micro dosing it now mm-hmm. and hopeful that it won't hurt as bad yeah. than when I am an older, more adulty adult.
0: And I've enjoyed my adult relationship with my parents so much yeah. that I really get excited for that.
1: Yes. And and that was something else that she touched on mm-hmm. that I really loved is like you get to hear their perspective yeah. and you get to- He's a real
0: boy. Right? A real boy. <laughs>
1: That you like, you have thoughts of your own Mm -hmm. and actions of your own and perspectives that I never thought of, and I get to learn from you. Mm -hmm. And I'm already very open to doing that, although sometimes it's painful. And I think that that's one of those things of parenting that people have called cringy, or also just don't understand the value of Mm -hmm. that it's meant to i think it's meant to be this way i don't think that we're meant to know necessarily everything and mm-hmm. i think that just because and this kind of relates to you should never ask someone how old they are you should ask them how long they've lived yeah i think this relates to that and that i assume to have more things figured out by the time i'm in my third act
0: mhm
1: or fourth or fifth or however many acts i go through Don't assume that I will know everything there because the world is not static. Mm -hmm. The world is dynamic and things are changing. And when we know better, we do better. And there are things that I might say right now that my kid may come to me in a couple of years and say, you know what? That was actually really offensive Mm -hmm. or we don't, that's, that's wrong. And being able to go, you know, I'm so glad you told me that Mm -hmm. I will stop saying bet because it's cringy. I'll stop saying cringy because it's
0: embarrassing.
1: (laughs) Thank you for telling me. But there's going to be all kinds of stuff like that. Some people might think it's the snake eating its tail, and there might be a little bit of that, but also the beauty of that reciprocal relationship of always learning.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in her 60s, and she's having women who are older than her on her podcast. To listen, and she says it's one of her favorite things, mm-hmm. to listen to them. And she talked about, too, how there's this – when you talk about an old man, you conjure up images of wisdom mm-hmm. and, and sage advice and and good stuff. Yeah. Maybe some wrinkles, too, but mm-hmm. – um, which wrinkles are good stuff, too. Versus an old woman, an old woman – sounds somehow sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would love to change the narrative on that. Yeah. I <laughs> – there is this um, Hallmark – well, it's not really Hallmark. It's Netflix Christmas movie that I do enjoy watching every mm-hmm. year. Um, and it's got – oh, shoot. Her name just like flew out of my mind, but she was in um, High School Musical.
0: The original? Mm-hmm. I never saw it. What? See, it's when we talk about things like this, the, the difference in our ages, which is well, not a lot, but it is just enough of a window that there were things that hit for you that didn't hit for me. And you
1: know, I will admit, I think I was probably in college when I watched, and I haven't watched every single episode of mm-hmm. High School Musical, but, or, well, yeah, there were, I haven't watched every freaking movie mm-hmm. of High School Musical, but I think I've I've seen the first one, but I was older and it was probably not like- Something that the rest of my peers were watching, <laughs> um, but anyway, she's in um, this movie and she falls in love with a knight who gets sent back, sent forward in time. And I think it's called the Night Before Christmas, probably K okay. N I G H T. And the person that he gets sent to the future by is this old crone, mm-hmm. and calls one of the women in the 21st 22nd century whatever century we're mm-hmm. freaking in now um crone and the and the woman is like super offended but in their day Crone wasn't offensive it was it was a title of someone who was wise really they sought out wisdom that. from the crone she was like a she was a mentor of mm-hmm. sorts. And I just would really love to claim that title mm-hmm. <laughs> of being a crone, yeah, and and it being a good thing we because it sounds it. like it is. I'm I'm taking it back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. So she talks about how d- somebody had said to her, I think it was Diane Furstenberg or something. Never ask someone how old they are; ask how long they've lived. Mm-hmm. Let's let's unpack that. You have any thoughts on it?
0: On its head, I love it. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to imagine it in really practical terms.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Asking someone how long have you lived because it's not linear. Uh, yeah, and there's not an easy answer necessarily right. to that question. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily just the number of years that you've been on this earth. Depending on who you're asking, well, I
1: think that's the point, isn't it? It doesn't. It's I don't not know if you really want
0: to know how long. Someone has been alive, mm-hmm. then you may be better served by asking, "How old are you?"
1: <laughs> right right. <laughs> I wonder if what she means is the in, the more interesting question mm-hmm. isn't how old are you?" Right? It's how long you've lived. Yeah because that lends a more storytelling ability on it. Mm-hmm. And um plenty of people talk about not really living until way later into Mm -hmm. their lives. I I think a lot about um, gay and lesbian people who weren't able to come out until much, much later and feeling like that they didn't start living Mm -hmm. until 50s and 60s or 70s even.
0: This is one of those times where if somebody asked me that question, I would just turn gray and pass out because (laughs) – What do you mean I have to answer that question? And you're standing there looking at me, waiting for me to answer that question in maybe five seconds. I've already wasted all that time freaking out about having to answer that question. Oh, yeah. I cannot. (laughs) I cannot. You cannot ask me an abstract question without a warning and at least 30 minutes.
1: It's true. I've tried to do that on this podcast before. And then I see the deer and headlights look of her. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to (laughs) pause. And there have even been times where I think you have said, I need to think about that. I can't answer that. I can't answer that right now, which is – I love it. I love you advocating for yourself. But that does make it a more complex question. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that's another demonstration of that kind of why behind the why. Yes. The five whys.
0: I love it in theory. (laughs) I really do. I think it is a much more interesting question to ask somebody.
1: But you're not comfortable. But don't
0: just spring it on people. Don't be an asshole.
1: <laughs> See, I I, am, I find that so interesting because if somebody were to ask me that,
0: mm-hmm. I wouldn't I would be like, this is an act of aggression. I, would,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have an answer, but I wouldn't be uncomfortable either. <laughs> I would just be like, all right, but- that's again we're different people
0: you go towards the people that you know (laughs) and i go away from the people that i know because i didn't ask for this you might just be wandering around the farmer's market and then joe that you worked with six years ago at olive garden asks you how long have you lived come on joe i'm just trying to support local businesses
1: I'm sorry, Joe, unless you're here to give me a breadstick <laughs> and a cup of Alfredo sauce. <laughs> we don't know each other.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I wonder- did not consent to this question. <laughs> um,
1: I wonder if you're uncomfortable with taking up time space.
0: I don't think that's it. I – You're not you, – No, I don't you think You legitimately so. don't
1: think that you're – I don't. You don't feel uncomfortable taking up time? Space? No, I don't
0: think I do. I think what makes me uncomfortable is the prospect of being misunderstood. Oh, I cannot abide that for some yes. reason. Yes. I do
1: understand that mm-hmm. feeling. I do. Which is why one of my deeply ingrained beliefs is I can sit with the discomfort of being misunderstood, mm-hmm. which is not feel right the first seven billion times you say it. Yeah. Still doesn't feel right sometimes, but it feels a little more right. Every if time we I say really it.
0: wanted to dig in, Laura, grab a pen. <laughs> <laughs> when you're an only child, mm. you feel misunderstood oh my by God. just about everybody because oh, the adults don't really understand you. And also your friends can't really understand, your peers can't really understand you. you don't you. have anyone to interpret for you. Yeah. And you don't really understand you. So there's just a (sighs) swirl of what the hell is happening with me?
1: You don't have any way to, anyone to bounce or uh, off or externally process this shit with that knows where you're coming from. It's very hard
0: to figure yourself out. And then when you feel like maybe you're starting to get a little bit of a handle on it, the last thing that you want is for anybody else. To get it wrong, Mm. because you're like, look, I've worked really hard to sort of figure this out.
1: This is is what I've got. I did my best. Yeah, my own ass. (laughs) Man, that is
0: very thoughtful. Okay, pencils down, Laura.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, she talks about her cancer diagnosis and receiving that the day, the morning after she like broke an Emmy record.
0: And talk about peaks and valleys, right?
1: And they asked how she dealt with it. And she said that she, she tells the story about her and her husband um, went on a trip and they were doing some like research and stuff in the ocean. They were swimming around in, in the ocean and doing research and fun shit. And that her husband had called out to her while she was in the water. I don't want you to freak out or I don't want you to panic, but there's a shark and you need to come back to the boat. And, Abby just starts laughing. Yeah. And Glennon was like, that was not my first response. (laughs) Um, But she talks about all she could do, what she did, and what she instinctually did was focus on the ladder. Because she knew that she had to get to the ladder to get onto the boat. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to look behind me. I'm not going to look for it. I'm not going to waste time looking for all of these other external controls. I'm just going to swim to the ladder. Mm -hmm. And that is the next right thing. And then I think Glennon mentions that later on. So Abby says that's an elite athlete frame mm-hmm. mind frame. She was like frame of mind mindset. Yeah. Um,
0: and Glennon says it's an it's addict. Not, it's an addict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's this it's a sobriety
1: thing. Yeah. It's focusing on the next moment, mm-hmm. the next right thing. And then she also talks about. Uh, breaking down projects into manageable pieces, manageable parts, and that is very relevant to the work that I do. It's 75% of the work that I do. Mm-hmm. So really anyone who's able to break things down into smaller pieces could do my job. Um,
0: Isn't it funny how we throw things out there like this idea of, well, you have to break things down into manageable parts as if we ever had any other choice. <laughs> like. Right. Like I've decided that I'm going to live by doing things one day at a time. Right.
1: but also it assumes it's also a bit assuming that it's easy because oftentimes mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah, but
0: it's it more also like is just I've leaned into the yeah, idea that I have to live this way. I have, and I'm going to stop resisting it.
1: That I'm at my best mm-hmm. when I choose to breathe oxygen, yeah, <laughs> rather than carbon monoxide. Mm-hmm. You don't really actually have control over that. Mm-hmm. Huh. Is it the illusion, illusion of control? Oh. What do you guys think? If you, if you. Yeah, have, don't ask me. How long have you lived? <laughs> um, if you have made it this far and you have a thought on that, please hit us up on the socials. You can send us a direct message on Instagram at We Can Do Pod Things, or you can email us at podthingspodcast at gmail.com. What an interesting idea and concept and thought, and I can't wait to think about that in the shower for the next two hours after I go home. Um,
0: that's a long shower.
1: It's, that's, that's one of them ADHD showers. Mm-hmm. That's one of them
0: thought-provoking showers, which
1: is why I only try to do it once a month. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's once every six months. Um, I have a few more thoughts, but do you have any final thoughts or do you have a few more thoughts as well? I don't. Okay, uh, Amanda said the thing that she likes about that breaking things down into manageable parts, next right thing sort of thing is it's not just focusing on what you're doing; it's also what you're not doing. You don't right. have to focus on what you're not mm-hmm. not doing, but there are. Th- it is also it is as much about what you're not doing mm-hmm. than what you are doing, and that's when she kind of talks about it being you're doing what you can control. You're not focusing on anything else that's Mm -hmm. outside of your control. And that definitely makes things easier, but easier in a way that we're like getting out of our own way. Yeah. Um, She talks about once she had her, after she had gone through her, experience with cancer, that she was able to share that with other people and that it was a big comfort for her being able to mentor other people through that just mm-hmm. as she had received that same mentorship when she was going through it. And that's isn't that just the best description of a community?
0: One of the biggest pieces of advice that I give any person who asks me for advice about dealing with anything. Mm -hmm. If it's a fellow NICU mom, Mm -hmm. if it is parents asking, how do I understand and cope with this behavior in my child? I tell people, seek out a Facebook group. Mm -hmm. Because not that you should heed every piece of advice that you get in a Facebook group, but it is such a huge thing to realize that you're not the only person Mm -hmm. dealing with this thing or going through this thing.
1: Yeah. And and that whole idea of benefiting from someone else's experience, mm-hmm. it goes back to the whole listening to people wiser than me. Yeah. Um, that is, I think, the essence of why connection is so valuable for us and meaningful to us. Um, she talks a little bit about that movie, You Hurt My Feelings, which I am very interested in watching. And we've referenced this in another show about – and I think it was. I it might her friend Jen. I think it's Glennon's friend Jen. I'm wondering if it's Jen Hatmaker mm. talked about lying, being lied to her whole life, or lying to her kid her, their whole life. Oh no, she was lied to her whole life, and that she was told that she was exceptional when really she's just medium. Mm-hmm. And of course, how much pressure then I immediately put on myself to be like both. Both supportive mm-hmm. and empowering and realistic and not putting the pressure on someone. And um, I think we talked about it in the Cheryl Strait episode. Me being a six. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm a six and I'm comfortable here.
1: And this concept and idea of what even is truth. Um, because the, in this movie, she talks about her husband has been lying to her about her writing. Mm-hmm. But really, it's not a lie. It's He's just not been honest with his opinion on her writing. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a quote in there where it's like, it doesn't matter what I think about your writing. Do you like it? Mm -hmm. Then good. Because is someone's opinion the truth? Right. I think we all know for a fact that no, someone's opinion is not the truth there's a little bit more that goes into the truth. Right. And Glennon asks this question about is what we need unfiltered truth or is love the filter that we put on the truth? And then I'm as I think about it my brain gets a little mushy because it's like I don't I
0: it has to depend on the situation.
1: Yeah, and and also I can't decide what is for other people what is or isn't going to feel good. Mm-hmm. But I also know that there are ways of me providing feedback that aren't shitty. Mm-hmm. So I have to s- walk between the two of those. And that's gray area that I don't love. Um,
0: where can we – did she talk about where we can stream that? She is didn't. it streaming?
1: It, I, it must be. Mm-hmm. Or it, it, maybe it's Amazon Prime. I I'm just like throwing that out there. I would like to
0: watch it. The guy who plays her husband is from Outlander. Oh, and he's oh. a pretty great actor. Oh, okay. So. My final like thought. I it's got potential. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yes. I, we, maybe we should, we should like try to watch it together or something. We should start doing
0: movie nights because I we also really want watch freaking watch Women should. Talking. Ooh. Because they have an episode with Sarah Polly okay. that one day is going to be my pick. I don't know if it's going to be my pick for next week yet.
1: I'm hoping that you have these all written down on a list.
0: It's all in here. Oh, God. <laughs> she points to
1: her brain. Um, it's a very. <laughs> Exceptional brain, but also if I keep everything in my brain, <laughs> it's all just kind of rattling around mm-hmm. there. No, no, no categorization or anything.
0: Well, what I usually do is I just scroll through her podcasts, oh. their podcasts, And then I don't have to go really far. Sometimes I start from their first episode and N- scroll up.
1: Of things you want to watch?
0: And well, and then I'm like, okay. uh... Oh, I thought you meant which episodes I'm gonna choose. No, I about meant what movies we're choose. watching for movie night. Oh lord. I would have to actually start writing those down.
1: Okay. Well I this is my loving way of suggesting that you start
0: writing. Because down. Runaway Bride is on there. Oh my god. Because I god. Seen that one. Yes. You know how
1: I feel about that one. I do. Have you and you've watched? have you watched the movie of Eat, Pray, Love?
0: yes okay have you
1: yes okay i own it on dvd now because i bought a (laughs) copy of it at the goodwill because it cost me four dollars to rent it do you have a dvd
0: player i do look at her i do
1: i actually (laughs) i have been searching far and wide for the four hunger games movies Mm
0: -hmm. oh right you did tell me that and
1: parts including mockingjay parts one and two and then guess what hulu just added
0: to no, their streaming not. platform,
1: all the Hunger Games movies.
0: For once, the simulation has your back. It usually I know, just messes with because you. I have
1: been having a really hard time finding the Mockingjay mm-hmm. movies, and then I realized I never even saw them.
0: Well, I was gonna say those could be. I, I'm not gonna read the books. I don't think at this point, okay. but I've also never seen the Hunger Games movies. None of them.
1: The movies do have zero, almost zero justice. I'm in my mm-hmm. unprofessional opinion, the movies. Are Might be skippable. a good companion to once you read the book.
0: If I have no intention of reading the book, should I skip the movies?
1: Nah, you can watch the movies; okay. they're fine, but they're just a very incomplete mm-hmm. example. It's it's yeah,
0: but Harry Potter probably you don't. That's exactly what I was actually going to say. You don't know what you don't know till you read the books, right?
1: Right. It's they're still enjoyable on their own, but they're just way better in the written form Mm -hmm. um my final thought that i would like to mention is what they're the last thing they discuss is her marriage and how they've been married for 36 years and she says this thing that is so beautiful what a unique gift of a long ride Mm -hmm. and being with that person that like you've all, you've seen some shit. You've been through Mm -hmm. the shit and good stuff and shit and forming and the bond and strength. We know, we know that this, this is, it's, it's breaks and repairs. Mm -hmm. It's fractures and repairs. That's, that is what makes the foundation for the most meaningful friendships, right especially with the repair. But, um, Isn't that – I just thought that was just such a beautiful way of talking about their relationship, Mm -hmm. the unique gift of a long ride. I love it. I do too. You know what else I love? Hmm. Our listeners. Me too. Super big fans of you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you again have any thoughts or you would like to join on one of our episodes, we now have a really great setup so we can have three people.
0: Yeah, calling all biblical scholars. Yes,
1: seriously. Um, please come and speak with us. You can contact us at podthingspodcast at gmail.com or sending us a message on Instagram. We can do pod things underscores beneath each word or separating each word. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm Annalise. I'm Emily. And this has been We Can Do Pod Things.